Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, all you wonderful, wonderful, dedicated F1 fans out there. If you're hearing my voice, that can only mean one of two things. One, my name is Kelsey, and two, you have tuned in to the newest episode of F101. And as always, we're going to start off with the hot topics for this episode. And a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned that it would be very interesting to see who would be the new uh, CEO or team principal of Williams. And I had suggested that it might have been Susie Wolf. Now, Susie Wolf is the wife of Toto Wolf, who is the CEO and the team principal of Mercedes F1 team. Now, I had alluded to the fact that Williams is pretty much the sister team to Mercedes anyways. So I just, to me, it just made sense that it would be, you know, one plus one equals two. Well, I am officially wrong on that one. And I am happy to say that I'm wrong on this one because Susie Wolf is now officially, she's been appointed as the managing director of the newly formed all-female racing series F1 Academy. I can't think of anybody that is more suited to this position. She's been in the automotive racing world for a decade, since 2018 at least. She knows what she's doing. Uh, she used to be a Formula Team Prince, Formula E team principal and shareholder in 2018 of the Ventry Racing in Formula E. Uh, her herself, she used to be a racer as well. Uh, she did dabble a little bit in uh, in karting, and then graduating into the Formula Renault, and then Formula Three, and then eventually moving into the DMT competitive uh, Mercedes Benz Racing. And in 2012, she signed with Mercedes uh, in Formula One to work as a developmental driver and made history in 2014 British Grand Prix in Silverstone, becoming the very first woman to take part in a Formula One race weekend in 22 years. So she definitely has the pedigree. She knows what she's doing. She's been in this world forever. So massive step forward for F1 Academy, uh, lending some massive uh, legitimacy right off the top you know, right off the beginning, it's not going to be, you know, like, oh, they're going to be around for two or three years and then they're going to disappear or it sounds like a good idea, but it's not going to happen. This lends and gives massive legitimacy to the Formula One Academy. This will also introduce and bring in a lot of new sponsors and a lot of big sponsors seeing that name attached to it and seeing how serious F1 and FIA is about this academy. So fantastic news to hear. Uh, it can only mean good things for the F1 Academy. Moving on, last episode I had mentioned that Lance Stroll would most definitely not be racing this weekend in the very first race of the 2023 season. Uh, now there are reports that Lance Stroll is seeing the Aston Martin uh, medical team for evaluation. I think it is Friday, Thursday or Friday morning to see if he is racing. He is doing some simulator racing. That's great that he's doing simulator racing, in my opinion, but it doesn't really add weight to the fact that it was reported that he had two broken wrists. Now, when you say broken wrist, they never elaborated on how broken they were. If it was a crack, if it was a fracture, you know, if he lost both hands, like there was absolutely no association with what actually happened. So it'll be very interesting to see if he's approved for this weekend's race in Bahrain. I don't think he will be. Um, I do think it'll be the third driver as well as Fernando Alonso taking over the, the duties for this weekend. But that's your update. 
And folks out there, that is essentially all I've got for you for the hot topics. Uh, not a whole lot going on as well as far as off-track um, news, shenanigans, drama. Not a whole lot out there. But I am very, very, very pleased and extraordinarily happy to report that this is the very first episode on race weekend. That is right. The very first race for the 2023 season in Bahrain happens this weekend, March 3rd to 5th weekend. We've got practice. We've got qualifying. We've got the actual race. We are in it to win it officially. So that means I am going to give you today the season breakdown of what I think is going to happen, where the teams are going to sit, as well as all the brand new rules for the 2023 season that you need to know about. So let's get right into it. Starting off with the major one, we have 23 races this year, starting in March and ending November 26th. Uh, this was supposed to be 24 races, but as we all know, China did drop out due to their COVID restrictions. Now, they did try to come back three or four weeks later saying, oh, we've changed the restrictions. You guys can come in and race, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and F1 essentially didn't believe them going, you know what? We're not going to go race in China. We've already changed the schedule enough as is. We're done for the year. We'll come back and check next year. So we are 23 races, and that is up from last year. Last year was 22 races in 2022. Next topic, we got six sprint races this year. We've got Azerbaijan, we've got Austria, Belgium, Qatar, the U.S. Grand Prix, which means that's Austin, not Miami or Las Vegas. And then we've got the Brazilian Grand Prix as well as also a sprint weekend. That brings it up from three sprint races in 2022 to six this year. Uh, the FIA and F1 seem to love this concept of a mini race before the race. Some drivers do, some drivers don't, but the majority of the drivers really enjoy this. I enjoy it. It's a lot more, a lot more work on my end reporting on it and keeping you guys up to date. But as a fan, I definitely enjoy the heightened uh, experience and the slightly added, you know, stress and drama of a race or a sprint weekend opposed to the race weekend. We've seen a lot of cars do very well. In sprint weekends, we have also seen a lot of cars crash and not do so well in sprints, which means they don't do so well in races. Along with the added sprint races also comes the added cost. Now, this cost has been added to the team budget for every single team. Last year, because there was only three sprint races, each team got an additional $150,000 for repairs as well as $100,000 extra, so essentially $250,000 for any kind of um, the extra fees that will go along with extra track time, extra tires, um, you know, paying the staff for those extra couple hours, you know, so on and so forth. So grand total, it was $250,000 added to the budget. Well, uh, this year for the 2023 season, moving forward, unless it really doesn't work out, the FIA and F1 have deemed it appropriate that each team's cost cap, they will just get $300,000 for all the sprint races total. Divide that up how you want between the six. If both cars crash, you're going to blow through that $300,000 very, very quickly, in which case you could see some teams do what Haas did last year and not have the money to afford to put both cars back in the race for the next day. So you might have one car, you might have both. Hell, if you get into a financial bunch, some of the lower end teams, kind of like Haas or Williams, if it's a big enough crash, you might not see either car on the race on the Sunday. I don't foresee that happening, but they did bump up the budget to 300000 all in. Now, that means that they've essentially added $1.2 million, and this is for every single sprint race. It's not across all six races. This is three hundred grand per 
sprint weekend. So 300,000 times six, essentially they've added 1.2 million to the cost cap. Now, moving on to the cost cap, it's going down again. So what it was is it went from 140 million last season down to 135 million this season. Now you add in the 1.2 million for the sprint races, the official team cost cap budget for the 2023 season is 136.2 million. And this is going to be the same budget all the way till 2025, unless something drastic happens with inflation or enough teams get into financial difficulties where they can't afford to run both cars or they're taking steps to save money that diminishes the product for the fans and for the driving teams itself. Or unless we see a whole bunch of teams like Red Bull go over the cost cap last year, in which case the FIA and the F1 will come back and take a look at the budget going, hey, okay, so it looks like each team is going over by you know, pick a number, a million dollars. So we're going to increase the budget by a million dollars till 2025 again. And then we'll see how that goes. Essentially, it's on a, a rotating evaluation basis. Just because F1 is such an expensive sport, not just for parts and development, but for the travel time itself. You know, getting the the private and public planes and, and just the, the commute back and forth between different countries, which, by the way, on a side note, I have seen the schedule and some of you have seen this on Instagram. I know I've posted it. There's a, an official Formula One map essentially around the world. They track where they're going from country to country to country. It is by far the most expensive travel budget in sports history, period. doesn't matter if it's basketball, football, other motorsport, like GP, like the, the motorcycle racing, rally cross, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make sense at all. And I'm hoping... By the end of the 2023 season, when they see how much it costs to travel, that maybe for the 24-25 season, that they will adjust the travel schedule where, let's say you do, you're starting in Bahrain. So you stick within that part of the country for the first, you know, five or six races, and then you go to, like, they hit Canada in June. So how about you do Montreal in June, and then you can go down and do Miami, and then you do Austin, and then you do Mexico, and then you do, like, you just keep you keep it in the same hemisphere or the same part of the world for as long as possible. And then you move on. It would save on cost. It would save on travel. It wouldn't be as hard for the drivers as well as the team itself. It's still a lot of traveling, but it's a lot shorter distances to travel. You're losing less time on a plane or on a bus. You've got faster time to recuperate, which would mean a better product on the track. In my opinion, but what do you guys think? Do you like the sprint races? Do you think that the travel schedule could definitely be more budget friendly and a little more uh, economical and environmentally friendly going from, you know, staying in the same hemisphere, staying in the same country for as long as possible before you travel when they go to Europe and, you know, just in that general area, it's so much easier for them to go to, you know, the majority of the Grand Prix there because they just bus from country to country to country, it's within hours. They don't have to take these massive planes. They don't have to take, you know, extra commuter buses and all that kind of stuff to get to the events. Most of the time, if you're going from, you know, England to, you know, England to Italy, a lot of the drivers that are based in, in uh, England, they'll just fly the short flight over the pond. Then they get their own cars, their own hotels. They meet with friends. They go to the Grand Prix themselves. They don't charter these massive flights. They can kind of get there on their own. You know what I mean? So definitely something for them to look into for the 2024 and 2025 season. I mean, it wouldn't exactly be a bad thing for them to save more money.
moving on, uh, the biggest change for me that I'm looking forward to the rule-wise is the qualifying format, and it starts right off the bat in Bahrain. So I had mentioned this a couple episodes back, but for those of you who had missed it, and for those of you who just want to hear it again, here it is. So when you go through qualifying, generally and before this season, you were able to pick whatever tires you wanted to according to the weather. A lot of teams went with mediums, hard, softs, intermediates. If it was raining, you went with wets, all that kind of stuff. It was up to the team themselves to decide what tire they wanted to go on, depending on how well their car was set up or how the driver was feeling, how they were performing, all that kind of stuff. Well, that is officially out the window. Now, starting this year until 2025 or until there's enough feedback or negative feedback that they have to change it to the way it is, qualifying goes as such. Q1, so this is everybody. Every single driver and every single team has to run hard tires. They do not have an option in this. Q2, now this is your top uh, 15 guys now. They have to run mediums. Now this is this doesn't matter if it's cloudy, doesn't matter if it's super hot, if it's cold, you have to run mediums. Now when Q2 is over, now you're in the top 10, now they can run softs. Most guys like to run soft right off the bat. They get that high time. They do a couple quick laps like Max, for instance. He loved mediums and softs. He would blow the competition out of the water the first five laps, and then he would just sit there and wait. Or for the, yeah, for the first five minutes of the lap, or the first five minutes of the qualifying, he would absolutely destroy the competition, and then he would sit there and wait. Well, you can't do that anymore. Pirelli has come up with new compounds, better compounds for the hards, softs, and the mediums. They also have a brand new ultimate wet tire that they, they're hoping that they can use at some point this season. But they've determined that Q1 is hards, Q2 is mediums, Q3 is softs. And this is across the board for every race this season, for every qualifying. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. If you don't like it, tough shit. The only way that it will be different it is weather uh, determined. Um that means if it's drizzling or if it's wet at any point, then you are allowed to use intermediates for the wet weather. And if it's really raining, then you're going to use the ultimate wets. That is the only time you're allowed to change your tire off of the schedule that they now have for the 2023 season. Personally, I love this. I think this is absolutely going to shake up the field and shake up qualifying every single week. Because not all drivers like running on hearts. Not all drivers love running on mediums. Some guys just perform really well on softs and they can kind of muscle through until the weather gets better or until the track clears up and then they absolutely kill it. Well, you can't do that anymore. These drivers now absolutely have to dig deeper than they did before just to make it out of Q1 because hard tires are notorious unless you're in Austin, uh, unless you're in the super warm climates and it's a really, really perfect day. Hards are notoriously hard to keep hot and to keep grip, which means you're losing track time. You are slower than you should be. You are you don't have the grip that you need around the corners half the time. So it's really going to be interesting to see which drivers can really perform under these circumstances. The only drivers I feel sorry for in this circumstance are the rookies this year. Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, uh, Piastri, as well as uh, Drogovic as well for Aston Martin. He would be the third. He'd be He's the replacement driver for Lance Stroll if he can't drive. I feel sorry for these guys. Not only do they have to learn how to drive in a professional circumstance, like F1 is, this, is the hype, right? So you got to deal with the pressure. You got to deal with all the eyes being on TV, having all this extra added um, 
pressure from the cars, better cars, but now you have to be able to use hards, mediums, and softs. There's no excuses for the first, you know, after the first five or six races, you have to learn how to adapt even faster. So it's not like they, they don't have enough on their plates. Now let's just add one more thing to that. And hey, while we're on the topic of rookies, let's just get right into it right now. Like I said, three different rookies. Um, it's going to be very interesting for these guys. Uh, first off, let's let's talk about Logan Sargent. He's driving for Williams. He replaces Nicholas Latifi, uh, the goat of crashing into people at the most inopportune time or opportune time, depending on how you want to look at it. Logan Sargent is the quintessential American boy. They wanted him in Formula One for at least another year or at least a year ago, uh, he finally made it to Williams. They had to, you know, really push him to make sure he did well in F2. He's coming in as the second driver to Alex Albon, the the bona fide at this point Formula One veteran who just has gotten screwed by Williams so many times, it's not even funny. I think Logan Sargent will, he will do fine. He's not, he's not that type of driver that's going to blow you out of the water. He's consistent. Uh, he, I mean, he's going to get you the points, you know, about half the time, I would suspect, not just for the fact that he's driving in a Williams, which does not help, even though this year in the preseason testing, they did look super solid, which is great. But Logan Sargent is that he's going to be in the mix, but he's not necessarily going to get you those points that you need right off the bat. I believe he's going to mature very well throughout the season and having Alex there to, you know, show him the way is definitely going to help. Having a new team principal that's coming from Mercedes is definitely going to help his confidence and definitely going to help him on keeping his mind right and not being distracted from the overall uh, intimidation factor that is F1. Where is he going to finish in the driver's standings? I'm going to say bottom half. Uh, probably around 15th or 16th spot is going to be my prediction from Logan Sargent. I think he's going to have a little bit of a struggle this year, um, but he's definitely going to learn and grow. Next up, let's talk about the new Australian golden boy, the one that is at this point known more for the controversy around him between two teams and his actual racing in Formula One. We're talking about number 81, drives from McLaren, Oscar Piastri. Now, Oscar is good. He was good in Formula 1. He's good in Formula 3. I think that his hype is bigger than his abilities that will be in Formula 1. And I do believe the only reason that this is going to come true is he, and some of you are going to hate this concept or this comment, and I will take the heat for it. It's going to be a hot topic later on. But Oscar Piastri is going to be stuck in the McLaren shitbox for at least half the season before they figure out what they're doing. McLaren did not look good at all in the preseason. They weren't sandbagging it at all. They just they just sucked. At, at one point, these guys were heat-sealing parts of the car back on so they could actually get testing done. If he's able to overcome an absolutely horrible car, if he's able to relax and just get into the flow that everybody thinks that he can do, I think he's going to do quite well in McLaren about second half of the season. I do think that Lando Norris is definitely going to outpoint him. A majority of the points from McLaren is going to come from Lando Norris. I see Piastri out-qualifying Lando Norris maybe five times the entire season. Out of 23 races, about five times he's going to 
outdo Lando Norris in qualifying. Definitely not in racing unless Lando runs into a bunch of trouble. He does have massive pressure on him for this season because he's the reason why Danny Rick is not with McLaren anymore. Although, let's be honest, Danny Rick jumped that ship just as it was about to catch on fire and good for him. He would be stuck with another car that he wouldn't be able to drive for the 2023 season. But just because he's replacing Daniel Ricciardo in McLaren, he's got that extra that extra pressure to him, those extra eyes going, you know, you literally replaced the second most loved driver in F1 history. You better perform. And if not, you're an absolute waste of time. Driver's standings, I'm going to put him in the top 10. Um, and just for sheer determination, he is good. I mean, I don't mean to, to, to rag on him too much. He is a good driver. Once McLaren gets that, that car figured out, he's going to be a force to reckon with. And last but not least, we're going to talk about number 21, the Pierre Gasly replacement. The, in my opinion, the new successor to Alfa Tari, the one that's going to make Yuki Tsunoda either put up or shut up. And we're talking about number 21, Nick DeVries. He is my favorite for the rookie of the year. He really is. His driving ability is phenomenal. He's done some Formula One driving before. He had to do a couple of replacements uh, a year or so ago last season and I think he's just going to take that experience and he's going to roll with it he was the replacement driver for Williams he's been in the Mercedes Academy for years so he definitely has got the pedigree he's got the level-headedness that you need as a rookie going into your first full-time full-year position he's in AlphaTauri though so that's either going to be a blessing or it's going to be an absolute disaster for him I do think that as soon as he gets the jitters out, which could be as little as two races, in my opinion, that he is going to absolutely smoke Yuki Tsunoda and show him how he should have been driving in his rookie year. I predict that he will be the quote-unquote number one driver before we hit the halfway mark in the 2023 season. It's going to be great. He, like I said, he's my, he's my odds-on favorite to be the rookie of the year. The only setback I see is some inconsistencies with Alfertari if they do decide to go a little bit too outside of the box for aerodynamic, you know, creativity. They did do pretty well in preseason testing. They didn't look super bad. They didn't look super awesome, which I think will work in DeVries's um, benefit because they're not going to go one way or the other. They're going to see how he feels in the car which way he wants to go, and he's going to ultimately just kill it in the rookie standings. Driver standings by the end of the season, I see him also in the top 10. I see him above Oscar Piastri by leaps and bounds. I see him probably, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb for rookie season. I'm going to say Nick, De, Nick DeVries in seventh in the, in the driver's championship by the end of the season. It's 23 races, man. There's a lot of things that can happen. So those are your rookies for the 2023 season to keep an eye on. I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be fantastic. So let's just see what happens. Oh, and before we get into the team breakdown, there's one quick thing I forgot to mention. The height of the cars this year has officially been raised by 15 millimeters. Now that doesn't seem like it's a lot, but if you do remember at the beginning of the season, especially Mercedes, they a lot of the teams were dealing with the porpoising. That's where the car bounces up and down. Red Bull discovered a very easy way to get this fixed. Same with Alfred Tari. You just raise the car 15 millimeters. Exactly. That's what they did. 
And that's why they were so dominant with a lot less porpoising. Well, the FIA got into it and got involved because Mercedes was whining and bitching so much that they did figure out that the higher you have the car, yeah, the slower you're going to go, but the less bouncing you have. So FIA and F1 came up with a general rule. You got to be 15 millimeters higher than you were last year. And then this gives you a little bit more stability in the car itself. Now, that being said, that they're also going to be testing for the stiffness of the cars. Now, the cars can't be too stiff and the cars can't be too flexible because then the more flexible you are, you know, sometimes on some tracks you'll get sucked. In. There's not as much bump bumps on the track. You don't have as much porpoising. So if your car is a little lower or if your car is super flexible, you're going to get sucked down to that track even more and you're going to be faster. So the FIA is going to be checking also on how stiff your car ride is, which I think is great. It levels the playing field one more time. And then it gets some people to stop complaining so much and other teams going, well, duh, we told you you should do this in the first place. And then finally, they're listening. All right. Now the most important part. The whole reason why you've tuned, it, tuned into this episode, my 2023 season predictions. I'm going to go on the hot topic and I'm going to say that Rebel is going to claim their third championship in 2023. They have made the least changes to their car. You have also seen the majority of the field copy Red Bull to a certain degree. Now, this can, to me, this means only one thing is that they realize that Red Bull has a superior car and they can't fully copy it or they would. So, Red Bull is going to win the constructors. Now, will Max Verstappen win driver for the third year in a row? Uh, that one I'm not totally sure about. Only for the fact that Mercedes, even though they've had some issues in preseason testing, and Total Wolf and Lewis Hamilton and even George Russell have said, well, our car is not that fast. Mercedes has a tendency to, you know, kind of bluff when they say things like that. It's kind of like Lewis Hamilton saying, oh, my tires are gone. And then he goes for another 40 laps and wins the race. You don't really believe what Mercedes says. So I think Mercedes is going to be up there. I also see Fernando Alonso just killing it in the Aston Martin as well. I think they're going to make it close. I don't, I don't want to say Max is going to, but I don't want to say he's not, but I have to make a decision going. I'm saying Max. Okay. I, officially, I'm going to say Max Verstappen will win the drivers, but it is going to be so much closer than it was last year. It's going to be like double digit points difference, not triple digit, but double digit points. I see Mercedes getting second in the constructors this season, just because unless something changes drastically, Ferrari, especially for their strategy, which it might with their new team principle, I think Ferrari's kind of, they've kind of screwed themselves out of the second position, out of the second spot. Mercedes, the point difference was significant enough, but Mercedes is on that roll of just getting better from the 2022 season. So I'm saying Mercedes, second in the constructors. I'm saying Ferrari's going to be third in the constructors as well, just for the fact that they do have a new team principal. That's great. But I don't think that they've swung enough to get rid of their strategy problems from last year. And I don't know. I haven't heard. I haven't seen. But 
just judging it from last year, the reliability that they didn't have in the engine performance, unless something magical happened over the, the winter break and, and through testing and development, I don't think Ferrari's taken second or second this year at all. I think they're going to be third in the constructors at all. Now, top three is kind of top three is a top three. It's just kind of interchangeable between those three. Now, who I'm saying for fourth is it's going to be a bit of a surprise uh, to some people and not for others. I'm saying Aston Martin's taking fourth. I really am saying Aston Martin's going to be fourth just because their car looked spectacular during testing. They've got Fernando Alonso, and that alone just ups their ante of winning more races. Um, the development on the car that we have seen, for me, is the most impactful coming to any other car. Yeah, Mercedes looks a little bit the same from last year. Side pods are a little bit different. They've changed a few things here and there. But with the car reveal for the cars that are actually racing, when you see them, for me, Aston Martin made the biggest impact. They spent their money the wisest, and I think they're going to be fourth in the constructors after that. Alfa Romeo is going to be fifth. Um, Joe Guan Yu, Valtteri Bottas, they have no more excuses. They both are grade A drivers. They know what they need to do. They've got the experience behind them. Uh, if you don't remember, Joe Guan Yu won Rookie of the Year last year, and he just came out of the gates roaring. I expect to see him do it the same this year. I also expect to see Valtteri Bottas to do a lot better this year than he did last year. Again, they made massive improvements on the car. It looks reliable. Some people, everybody says the cars look fast. Oh, they look fast. I don't give a shit about fast. If you can't finish the race, you can look as fast as you want. You need the reliability. And the changes that Alfa Romeo has made, in my opinion, definitely adds that reliability factor for them in the 2023 season. Next up, I'm saying Alpine's going to be sixth. And the only reason why I'm saying they're going to be sixth is because Aston Martin's development is just going to blow Alpine out of the water. There was explanations during the reveal of what they did from the front to the back, which was nice to see. You didn't get a whole lot of detail, but you got enough to know that, hey, they spent their money very, very well, and they spent very aggressively on the back end, so they don't lose it out as much. I'm not saying it's going to be the car's reason the car will not be the reason why they get six in the constructors. I'm saying they're going to get six in the constructors because of their drivers. Because Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon, I think they're going to just going to have a 2023 pissing contest and who's going to be the number one driver and who's going to be best and who's going to bring in more points and who's going to be in the limelight more. I don't think they have the maturity together to be a successful team. That which is why they're going to bump themselves down from where they were last year. They're going to be six in the constructors this season just because of infighting. Seventh spot, Alfa Atari. And the only reason, again, why I say Alfa Atari is going to be seventh, I, I don't want to really say this and mean it wholeheartedly, but I'm going to. The reason why Alfa Atari is going to be seventh is not due to car reliability. I'm going to say it's going to be driver reliability. And I'm putting most of this weight on Yuki Sonoda. This is a make-or-break season for him. He he kind of essentially got carried through from Pierre Gasly, but he doesn't have that security blanket this season. He technically, just from seniority, is the number one driver at this club because Nick DeVries is coming in. But I think that Nick DeVries is going to add so much pressure to Yuki that he's going to 
start driving more aggressively than he needs to, trying to prove that he is a better driver than the rookie sensation that's coming in. He will make more mistakes. He will cause more issues than not. And that's why Alfretari is going to get seventh. Eighth spot is going to be, eighth and ninth are going to be my biggest, biggest hot topics for this list. I'm giving Haas number eight in the constructors because they officially can spend to the budget cap, which is fantastic. Granted, we haven't really seen what the car looks like. You saw a little bit on testing, but they also stated that there's going to be a few more parts added to the car for this weekend, which is fantastic, which means they're still developing, which means they're spending their money wisely. The reason why I'm giving them eighth and not seventh is because they do have a veteran driving lineup now. You've got Nico Hulkenberg and you've got Kevin Magnuson. You've got the experience there. Okay, that's great. But you have always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of experience. They've been around long enough together, but they don't have the necessary winning history together or even individually. They're going to bring Haas up. They're going to be fighting with Alfretari for seventh, absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to fall just a little bit short of that seventh spot. But it's going to be a massive improvement from where they were last year and the year before that and the year before that. I do think they're going to stick with this lineup for quite a while. And they're really going to develop this car the way it should be. And they're really going to shine in the second half of the season. So Haas, eighth. Ninth is going to be the pick that I get the most crap over. And I'm going strictly over, I'm doing this strictly from what I've seen from preseason testing because I don't have anything else to go over and just the stats and the rumors and everything else that I've seen and that I've read. Ninth is going to be McLaren. It's definitely not the spot where they want to be. I'm dropping them like five spots to where they were previously last year, I do believe. And it's strictly because they thought they were on the right track. And it kind of like, it's like their season to be the Mercedes that they did last year. They thought they developed this wicked car and they developed a massive pile of crap on four wheels. It's not very fast. It's not very reliable as of right now. I think they're too far behind just in preseason testing, unless this week from preseason to the first race, they've done miracles and the formula one and racing gods help them out for some kind of miracle idea or development i do think they're going to be nice just because they're so far behind everybody else in testing in development and just reliability i think they're going to be they're going to be close to haas for eight but ultimately i think they're still going to be ninth just the reliability and just how slow they are is going to come back to bite them in the ass in the very first part of the season and they're going to lose up they're going to lose too much space to catch up and make any more grounds in the constructors which unfortunately, for the god umpteenth time in Formula 1 history, we're leaving Williams at 10th. Now, I don't say this lightly that Williams is going to be 10th. Their car looks good. The, the testing was good. It was super reliable. And they weren't last either. They were about the middle of the grid. But the only issue that I see with Williams is that everyone else has also developed past where they are. So it's not that they developed crap car. It's not that they developed a car that's slow or that it's unreliable. It's just for the fact that they're still trying to keep up to where everybody else has already been, which doesn't help them in this circumstance. 
their driver lineup is it's not questionable, but it's it's very light on wins and points. Alex Albon is great. He's reliable. He's starting to grow a little long in the tooth in Williams. I think there's a reason why there is a reason why he's still in Williams is that no one really wants to take a chance on him on a better car. And he just kind of suits that he's in Williams. He does great things throughout the season. He does pick up some points, but it's not going to be, it's not enough for other teams to openly look at him and go, you know what? Your contract's up next season. You know what? I'm going to take a chance on you. It doesn't help him that way. Uh, with Logan Sargent, I don't think he's going to be helping much with the points either. He's, he, in my opinion, is on the back foot already because he made it, but in my opinion, just barely. I think they picked him up just to be the golden boy for American drivers and American racers and to bring viewership in. I don't think he's going to do that well. So Williams and 10th, they're developing, they're getting better, but so is everybody else, which is the only reason why I'm putting Williams in 10th. And very quickly, top five drivers for this season. I'm still saying Max is going to win, but it's not going to be by much. Uh, you know what? I changed my prediction up from before. It's going to be Leclerc for second again. He looks way too reliable to not be in second. He also has that drive where he will be second no matter what. He's got that determination. I think he does really, really well under the new regime change. He does well in the car. I think he's got the reliability behind him. Checo Perez in third just because he's such a great teammate. I think he's too much of a good teammate. I think he needs to be a little more selfish when it comes to wins. And when it comes to team orders, Max is not the be-all and end-all of Red Bull. But at the same time, Max is also the golden boy. Perez has got to find his voice. He's got to have a little more fuck you in his drives. It's got to be a little bit more, hey, I'm having a great race too. I don't necessarily want to play, or I will not play defense just so my teammate can win. I'm going to show you guys what I can do. I need those points because he's got another contract extension coming up. If he wants to stay in Red Bull, there's a lot of people that want to take that second seat. Fourth, I love this pick. I feel fully confident in this. Fernando Alonso, he's going to be in the top five. Fourth in the driver's standing. How can you not put him in the top five? Brand new car, brand new team. The car looks good. He's driving consistently. He also has the second amount. He also has the most amount of laps and research time in testing out of every single driver, even combined. And... I mean, it was, it's bad that his teammate got hurt and couldn't do any of his testing, but that also helped him really tune that car, and he's going to take full advantage of it. Rounding out of the top five, George Russell. He's got, he's got his first taste of victory last season. He's got that hunger. It also kind of showed last season that he is really pushing Lewis Hamilton to the limit, and he knows what it's dry, like to drive in a shit car with Williams, so he's taking full advantage of the high-end Mercedes reliability and engineering that he's got i think he's going to outperform lewis hamilton i think lewis will be sixth in the drivers but uh yeah george russell definitely will be one to watch out for in the 2023 season and you know what there we go that is my preseason predictions uh they're my breakdowns if you agree with me let us know in the comments if you disagree with me let me know in the comments let me know why you like or dislike my picks let's have this conversation let's see how right i am let's see how right you guys are and do not forget out there the very first race the very first race of the 2023 season is coming up this weekend march 3rd and 5th it is the bahrain grand prix we've got 
race evaluations we've got we're going to talk about the race we're going to talk about the qualifying qualifying is on the fourth our time it is eight to nine o'clock in the morning which is not bad race on the sunday march 5th is also 8 a.m our time which is fantastic you get to sleep in a little bit you don't have to get up super early grab some coffee grab some breakfast sit down in front of that tv and ladies and gentlemen let's watch some formula one 